I'm Melissa, and I have a story about a star astronomer who is out of this world. Hi, I'm Drew. I'm going to tell you how our topic inspired a hit song from the 1990s. Hi, I'm Chris, and I have the story of the woman who went around the world in less than 80 days. What does all this have to do with the word solstice? Find out in this episode of History Bluffs. Hello and welcome to another episode of History Bluffs. It's where truth is stranger than fiction. And now I want to welcome to the show, it's your host, it's Gina! Hi! Hello everybody out there in the world, how are you? Good. Okay, me too. No, I just it's like the answer. Hello, hello. Welcome to History Bluffs. It is uh, 7.30 on Wednesday night. That means we're here live with you for History Bluffs. Uh, my name is Gina Bovina, and I'm uh, joined by three historians for this evening's episode. Um, and as Adam had mentioned, the uh, title or the topic for our episode tonight, did you mention it? I think I you did. did. Kind of, okay, yeah. yeah. Sort of I just want to make sure. I didn't want to give anything away. Oh, no, is, I did. Is solstice that word and whatever it means to our historians. But um, I'm going to start with uh, Melissa just to see how your Thanksgiving was and how your week has been going and, you know, all of that. Are you looking forward to the winter solstice? All the things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it was a good Thanksgiving. Stayed in town. But my so my debit card broke an ATM machine was was a whole story. Oh, oh, my God. Weird. Did you, wait, did you get money? Plastic. Like, did it just get stuck and you, money got, just kept coming uh, out? It got stuck. No, nothing happened. It just it got stuck. The ATM said broken. And then they had to call a third-party vendor to, to fix the ATM. Oh, <laughs> Hopefully it was someone who knew about the ATM and not just some rando. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hopefully. I got it back eventually. So I don't know. Okay, why. good. <laughs> we need a third party. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool, cool. And then, uh, Chris, how are you, man? Um, I'm I had, doing I had well. Thank you. Good. How was your Thanksgiving? It was nice. It was a, a lovely holiday. It was uh I was very thankful for the holiday because I've had a very stressful year. So it was a great time to catch up with family and friends. And uh, it was nice. Very, very nice. Yeah. Drew, um, your story is about music. I have a, I have a joke for you, but first I want to see how your Thanksgiving was. Oh, um, uh, I can't wait. Um, yeah, it was great. I was, I went to Cancun for a few days and then, um, and oh, then came wow. back and, and got a, got a little cold Ooh. afterwards. But um, as long as it didn't happen while I was there, I'm, I'm <laughs> Yeah, exactly. A little like, was it cold in Mexico? Ah, just kidding. <laughs> Get it? Okay, so my my joke is is for you. If um, I don't know if he's alive or dead, but if Dennis DeYoung died, he's the he's the person who wrote "Come Sail Away." If he died and he went to heaven, that means that um, that uh, his ghost would be called what? Uh, <laughs> it's in his name, Drew. Dennis the old Dennis the no dead? no but uh it's it's soul Change. sticks get it soul sticks <laughs> wow that's that was a stretch right. I know my my hit my my hit may have misled you because I thought she was going for Dennis DeYoung, Dennis Die Young. And I was going to say, well, oh, technically, he's, he's not really young anymore. Not that I'm saying he's old, but. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so horrible joke. Moving on. You can edit that out, Adam, later. Yeah, if you want to. yeah we'll, we'll edit that out. Gina gets her jokes from a third party vendor. <laughs> 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 yeah. Who may or may not be married to her. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, he's not even here. So these come naturally, man. <laughs> right. Okay. So now the uh, the next part of the show, I just want to tell you, um, everybody at home, we're going to be playing a uh, a show in three rounds. Uh, the historians each are going to be telling a story inspired by solstice. And um, uh, Adam, throw up, that's what I was going to ask you for. Um, we've got mm-hmm. uh, some rules because we play it sort of like a game show. So uh, basically, we we tell the story in three rounds. Uh, each round will get a little bit shorter. And um, the way that we play here at History Bluffs is that there are two people who are telling a, a true story and one person who's bluffing, and they're going to try to trick you. Oh, yes, I know. All yeah. of them will try to trick you in that particular fashion that the music just inspired. Um, so there's a lot of um, trickery going on as far as they're going to try to convince you that their story is true if their story is indeed not. Um, and if their story is uh, factual or true, it must be true all the way through. If it is made up, they can have a couple of factual things in there just to kind of try to trick you. Um, and we ask that for you at home, you just don't, in, we have a side chat going. And so please don't put any information that would give away the stories um, to tell whether they're telling the truth or not, because we want everybody to play along. Cause at the end, we're going to guess to see who is actually the, the bluff for the show. Did uh, you say so bluff? Did, I did say bluff. Um, there's one and only one uh, bluff. Oh. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure it's working. Okay. Um, it's, it's on a hot button. I'm ready. I'm ready. You're ready. Okay, good. So um, the way we're going to do it now is we're going to start the first round, um, and that's going to have 75 oh. seconds on the clock. I'm going to actually do it right in the order that it is. So, Melissa, I'm going to bring you to the center, and um, as soon as you hear the boom, you can start oh. your story. Your first round starts. Speaking, oh, we can't start yet. We haven't even introduced the Round Tracker 9000. Oh, oh, this is a great thing for those of you watching. Those of you listening, this tracks us to help us keep track of how many people went in the rounds because it goes fast and um we are also going to get started adam you know what that means oh i think that means we are going to go to round number one there we are round number one and don't forget we also release these episodes as audio only podcasts for you Mm -hmm. joggers and dog walkers out and commuters out there so the uh a little bit of description sometimes with the visuals helps the round tracker 9000 looks like a giant biblically accurate angel hovering over gina's head there you go i'm pretty sure that covers it wait say that biblically accurate biblically accurate you know a thousand eyes spinning wheels that sort of thing. oh oh yeah yeah yeah. it does it does look like that okay fair technically that's a seraphim but whatever anyway we're in round number one how does it feel to be in round number one i don't know but i know you're a nerd adam because you know a lot of big words okay so who are we bringing up here in the middle uh melissa so we'll oh, just, yeah, if you take me out and put Melissa in, we can get yeah, started. Well, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Gina, you say the word and I'll uh, do the boom. Word. <laughs> okay. The study of the stars, specifically the sun, brings a lot of scientific heroes to the forefront. You have Galileo, Copernicus, Kepler. But one that's maybe a little bit less well-known is the story of Tycho Brahe. He was a Danish astronomer at the time of the Renaissance, which was really, really difficult because they hadn't even invented the telescope yet. Um, So it was challenging. However, he was super passionate about math and science. He was so passionate that he actually got into a duel with a fellow mathematician and lost part of his nose early on in his career. Uh, He wore a prosthetic nose uh, for part of his life and it was gold or silver, but later on it was shown that it had br- brass on it. So he later 
built in an observatory and set to work taking meticulous measurements about the stars, the planets, the moon. And every single day he just went out and took measurements. Some of the more accurate descriptions of the solar system at that time were made by Tycho Brahe. He, after his death, his data would later be used for laws that explained Earth's tilt, which causes solstices and seasons. Oh, very nicely done. She threw solstice in right there at the end. So very, yeah. very good. You get an extra point for that one. Um, Drew, I would love to get your thoughts on that in terms of, uh, you know, your, your, do you think she's telling the truth? Do you have questions? What are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> she mentioned fake nose, which, you know, makes me think that this is also a fake story. So I don't know. There's a lot of like, just, just fake, fake, fake all around. So right out of the gate. It was, a, it was really fast with a lot of these names and facts and things. So that's like a common like reaction method to really throw us off. But mm -hmm. fake nose got me and like. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fake nose. I also like that it was lost in a duel. It could have been syphilis and he could have just said it was a duel. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, um, maybe hey, he Chris, did. Maybe he did. You know, because then he, he had brass in his nose, which eventually turns blue. Which makes him a blue noser. <laughs> okay, so hey, Chris. No, no. <laughs> okay, so there you go. Uh, Tycho Brahe. Uh, this 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 story isn't really measuring up to me. Um, I uh, with with the mention of specifically brass on the nose, which I also picked up. Uh, I, I potentially am sniffing out a bluff here. But for the record, <laughs> I would like to uh, I would like to lodge a uh, an appeal for later on when I lose this show. Uh, in, in, in three rounds because she's talking about scientific heroes and she has an unfair advantage because she's a science teacher. So, uh, yeah. I, I, oh, a little personal insight there. Yeah, so she can actually, she can trick us the best because she can throw some facts in that probably yeah. are real, but, you know, and then. Yes. But, but, you know, I mean, Tycho Brahe, I, I, I love the name. If it's, if it, if it is a true story, that's awesome. And if it's not, um, that's even more awesome. It's awesomer, I guess it would be called. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Taiko just reminds me of like the bikes and, and those yes. like and trucks yeah. and stuff. So I don't know. Yep. Um, do you have children, Melissa? Because you know, no. yeah, my, all right. Well, I thought maybe that would be where you drew your inspiration. All right, well, that though only leaves us one thing to do. So we've got Melissa's story. Remember that about the astronomer. We're gonna go to Drew now. And Drew, we'd love to hear your story. Um, so take me out, and as soon as you hear the boom, go ahead and go. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the winter solstice, commonly referred to as the longest night of the year. Um, I'm sure my other uh, co-historians might talk about this as well. It's celebrated differently in various parts of the world. The common celebration includes singing, dancing, feasting, etc. Well, in northwest coast of Canada and into Alaska, the indigenous people from the Tlingit territories viewed the winter solstice as a spiritual day. They referred to the winter solstice as Cuckoo Aglu Siknik. I'll translate that later. But first, a quick love story. In 1904, a young man from Portland, Oregon, named Alexander Coronel, was working on a fishing boat that would stop at various trading posts along the Canadian coast. Well, during one stop, he met and fell in love with a girl from the Tlingit tribe named Yura. They soon were married and moved and settled in Seattle, Washington. They had several children followed by several grandchildren, one of which was named Christopher Cornell, a.k.a. Chris from Soundgarden, born in 1964. I'll tell you more about his connection to this story in round number two. 
Oh, that's cool. Also, too, you get a point for actually mentioning Solstice in your first round. Um, so very cool. Uh, Chris, I want to hear your thoughts on um, Drew's uh, tale, whether it be true or not. Yes. Well, um, Drew did mention Solstice, as did uh, Melissa. So uh, she mentioned Solstice as well. So I just mentioned it twice. Do I get two points? Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, since I... Since I uh, made a, a personal note about Melissa. I'm going to make a personal note about Drew as well. Um, I've been lucky enough to know Drew for a long time, and uh, we've performed, even though we're now more than a thousand miles apart, um, we've performed on stage many times together. And he is, um, he's dangerously good at the game English gibberish that we do in improv. Uh, so, so his pronunciation of some of these names and places that he just came up with uh, I applaud. I applaud. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm clapping right now for those of you listening at home. I'm, I'm applauding. Um, and uh, so I, uh, yeah, I, I'm just back in my mind. I'm thinking to myself, well, I've seen him make up stuff like that before. I mean, it's ridiculously cool names that he came up with. So I'm going to see if in round two or three, if I still believe him. Okay. All right. So, so there's a little skepticism there. Melissa, your thoughts? Yeah, the pronunciations also stuck out to me because you have Yura and you also have Cuckoo. And that makes me feel like as a sentence <laughs> is interesting to me, just ling linguistically. It, but something in your favor, Chris Cornell, I think, didn't Soundgarden do Black Hole Sun? So that kind of fits with the oh. Solstice thing. So, oh. Or it could be a really good lie. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was Black Hole Sun or the Beatles. I am the walrus, cuckoo, cuckoo, all the things. I don't know. Like, so we it's just we got to see what happens in round two for him. So uh, okay, but that leaves one more person though, according to the round tracker. Yeah. Chris, this is going to be your time to tell the story, um, inspired by Solstice. As soon as you hear the boom. So, as my colleagues mentioned, December twenty first is the winter solstice. It is also. Phileas Fogg win a wager day, commemorating, spoiler alert, the date the fictional character Phileas Fogg won his bet to go around the world in 80 days in the classic Jules Verne novel. So Verne's adventure story was released in 1872, and it set the Victorian world on fire. Circumnavigating the known world in less than three months, it was crazy at the time. Uh, it was a hot concept because technological advances were creating rapid travel and global uh, opportunities uh, that never existed before. Many around-the-world cruises were being offered for the first time at, back then. Uh, railway routes were expanding, including the inaugural transcontinental railways, both in the United States and in India. And on top of all that, the Suez Canal had just opened up, rapidly increasing the trade of goods between the East and the West. So this was a very exciting time. This book by Jules Verne, Around the World in 80 Days, it became an instant classic. It, it, it was wildly popular. And in round number two, we are going to meet and hear the story of a pioneering female American journalist named Nellie Bly, who set out to beat the fictional Phileas Fogg's record in real life. Nellie. I love her music. No, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> Melissa, please, your thoughts. Hmm. I mean, it sounds it sounds plausible so far, uh, but the the phrase "win win a wager" makes me like just the fact that you brought that up so early makes me feel like that maybe there's some ulterior motives early on. But otherwise, it sounds plausible so far. Well, okay. Oh, so it was sort of a plausible. I mean, that was very generous, Melissa. You could have gone. Yeah. Ahead, honestly, that was very sweet and kind. I mean, you must be still in the Thanksgiving mood. Um, Drew, your thoughts? 
Yeah, you know, it, it, I maybe tend to agree with Melissa here. Everything so far is, could be legit, but I have been on this show uh, enough with Chris to know that a lot of times he, he does that, and then in the second and third round is when he'll just, like, just – just mess everything up and, and <laughs> more fetch. So I'm waiting to hear more. He does like to save his little surprises for the end, doesn't he? So, <laughs> so, so, so far, as per as per usual, uh, you have pulled us along in the first round there, Chris, and uh, sort of quasi believable at this point. Have, <laughs> have, have, having heard from both of the historians, they both agree. You um, know, but Gina, that, I, yeah. I remember, yeah, I remember once in by round two, Chris had Napoleon Bonaparte sl snow sledding down a hill. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there was one this time where happened. he he introduced advisor to the Kaiser and. The very first round. I mean, he's just yeah. You don't know he where messes it's go. with your head. Could go, could go anywhere. Could go. Yeah. Anywhere. So right and, now, uh, um, yeah. Go ahead. Right now, Gina. just because of that, like Chris, in my mind, is the bluff. But I'm just saying, and that's only because he does drop. I'm waiting for the bombs. I can't wait. Okay. Yeah. You don't even know. I'm I, the only one who knows who the bluff is. I know. I don't even know. It's all a surprise. But what yeah. I what is not a surprise is that we have finished out round one. So you yeah. know what that means, Adam. Oh, Gina, that means we're going to go right into round number two. Ah, here we are, round number two. For anybody out there in internet land watching along, you can actually try to guess who the bluff is using the yeah. comment feature in either YouTube or Twitch or Facebook or however oh. you are viewing us, so keep that in mind. Although we're only at the end of round one, so Gina, let's take yeah. us into round two and continue oh. the game. Yes, well, this is round two, and I forgot to give Chris his point for saying solstice in the first round. And this is the round where the points are double, but also points mean nothing. Okay, so we're going into round two. Um, we I would like to go ahead and start with Drew. Drew, would you give us your um, second round of your story? And for the viewers and listeners at home, the round now reduces to 40, excuse me, 60 seconds. Ah, all right, here we go. Okay, so Chris Cornell lead singer of Soundgarden, one of the premier grunge bands to come out of Seattle in the 90s at 80s, 90s, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, those are the, the Mount Rushmore, right? <clears throat> uh, growing up, Chris had a very strong bond with his grandmother, Yura, and the entire family would often travel back to the people's territory for uh, her people's territory for family reunions, etc. And Chris loved to learn about the customs and traditions of the Tlingit people. And the one event that really caught his interest was the winter solstice celebration, Cuckoo Aglu Siknik. It's Cuckoo, C-U-K-U, -U, just so you, you know, just for the spelling. But I'm going to translate that now. And, and Melissa was was on, on point here. Cuckoo technically means crow, which the tribe, that's what they, that's what they use for black. Uh, Aglu translates to a hole in the water where the seals would come up to get air. And Siknik translates to sun. So it roughly translates to black hole sun. Oh, oh, I get it. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Okay. So I I love that if it's true. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be so mad if you're bluffing. <laughs> so, uh, Chris, please, your thoughts. Uh, well, black hole sun, uh, it brings back some memories to me because uh, I'm I'm the youngest of six, and I'm the fifth boy born. Uh, and uh, sometimes my dad used to refer to me as the black hole son because I was so disappointing compared to my brothers. But uh, I, I uh, <laughs> I'm just going for the sympathy vote there. Uh, but uh, 
you know, again, yeah, this is, and, and I, you know, again, Drew's a master at wordplay. Um, he threw in that seal in, and son and seal, of course, is another uh, great entertainer, musical uh, star there. So he's just inundating us with these cross references of music and, and different things that all somehow translate to his story. So uh, well done. I am still waiting to hear uh, if I believe or not. Oh my gosh, this is the first time I've heard Chris reserve that until the third round. Like usually he'll throw an accusation by this point. <laughs> I mean, I have to say though, I was a ah black hole son. Good job, through <laughs> whether I don't know, Melissa, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm wondering if it's like a little too nice and neat. You know, I'm wondering where the holes are for Black Hole Sun. And <laughs> the crow, the crow detail, yes, it's black, but like, it feels like you're winging it a little bit with the crow. Um, oh, yes. The crows have eyes three. Okay. So um, that is awful that you, um, or, well, I, I don't know. Melissa just sort of, I am stone cold accused you. Um, stone no, Temple Pilot. Speaking, also of, another speaking of accusations. <laughs> oh, Speaking of accusations, we've got some mm -hmm. input from the gallery out there. <laughs> Love is Chris just because it's Chris. <laughs> Thank you, Irvin. Voices from the internet. We appreciate that. So, uh, I guess that's it. That's a wrap. That's the show. Um, looks that's like it. it's, thank you for joining Hitchy. <laughs> uh, Irvin has Irvin has guessed, and now you're done. Okay, no, um, Irvin, I, I, we will see if you're right because we will. Um, I I think that we've heard from everybody. So Drew, I I feel like you slayed that round because everybody's like, I mean, only Melissa was a little you know picky unish, but um that that leads us now. We're gonna go to Chris. Uh, Chris, I'd love to hear your second round of your story. You get sixty oh, yes. seconds at the boom. All right. Here we go. So at the end of round one, I introduced Nellie Bly. She, uh, her real name was Elizabeth June Cochran. She wrote for the magazine New York World, which was owned by Joseph Pulitzer. Um, she became famous for investigative reporting. Uh, she didn't avoid challenging topics at all. She actually leaned into them, many of them uh, supporting women's, uh, improving women's lives. She first got noticed by writing about the Women's Lunatic Asylum on Blackwell's Island, which what is known today to New Yorkers as Roosevelt Island in the East River. Um, and she exposed the horrendous conditions there and the terrible manage, mismanagement uh, by going undercover as a patient in the asylum. Uh, her stories shed light on prejudice and harassment uh, for that many people suffered. But without question, her most famous assignment was this lighthearted, entertaining story that she took on the challenge to beat the fictional Phileas Fogg by traveling around the world faster than even Jules Verne could imagine. So in 1889, she set off for London We'll hear about her journey in round number three. Okay. Okay. So um, in the meantime, on a side note, I looked up Nellie, and it is a male rapper. Okay. So I <laughs> okay. okay. No Google, Gina. <laughs> no, no, this is like a damn screw. Okay, you're right. You're right. No Google. My bad. <laughs> bad. Okay. So, um, Melissa, what do you think? <laughs> You know, I want this one to be true. I really like this. <laughs> I really want this story. But like the the how she, you know, pointed out the horrible conditions in the asylum, I'm waiting for the time to point out the horrible things that are going to twist <laughs> in round three because I feel like it's coming. <laughs> I do. <laughs> wow. She's like, she's bracing herself for all the surprises. We know. We know, Chris. <laughs> Drew, what are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's for a minute there, I thought Chris started an entirely new story, like separate from his round one, because I was like, well, "Where's the where's the connecting of the dots here?" Um, 
and then he tied it in at the end there, tied, you know, try to like where they are connected. But uh, I got to say, like now I'm a little more suspect and I feel like Chris, he mentioned Joseph Pulitzer. I feel like Chris is going for a Pulitzer prize for <laughs> fake stories. His last round will be a Pulitzer prize. <laughs> Get it? Because he pulls it out of his ass. Oh, jeez. Oh. <laughs> Boom. Okay. No, but, no, but I have to tell you, um, this was what I thought was interesting about Chris's story. Um, really, I just... Like, I was fascinated. I just kept, well, I just looked up Nelly. I'm just going to be honest. I was like, <laughs> uh, his, his song lyrics are cool. So <laughs> check them out later. Okay. So um, that leaves us for only one thing and one thing only for this round. And that is to hear from who we didn't hear from. Who didn't we hear from? Melissa, Melissa, Melissa. All right. Melissa, please, center stage. And whenever you're ready. Center stage and you're on. All right, so Brahe was favored by the political and religious leaders at this time because his model of the solar system, even though he was meticulous, uh, he still put the sun orbiting around the Earth rather than what was controversial at the time, which was the Copernican model of Earth going around the sun, which is widely accepted today. Uh, so he also was known to have these lavish parties. He actually got 1% of the Danish budget, uh, Tycho Brahe did. And he had a pet moose. The moose actually drank beer at a party and fell down some stairs and died. So that was part of his legacy as well. He became really well known, but so well known that he actually lost favor when there was a change of hands and there was a new king of Denmark. And he was forced to move to Prague. He actually wrote this poem about nobody appreciated his genius in his time as he was kicked out of his observatory. Um, but that is when Johannes Kepler, the famous astronomer, comes into play for round three. Okay, so so I just want to get this straight. So he he was kicked, like, he thought the theory that isn't true and he was kicked out because of it. But at the time, he was convinced that it was true. Is that what I'm hearing? Basically. So he, he was kicked out for more personality conflicts than he was necessarily oh, the his beliefs. Like okay. they liked his like studies, but they were like, uh, your personality is a little bit much. Okay. Okay. So then um uh Chris, what do you, what do you have to say about her story at this point, personalities aside? It reminds me of when I was young and people told me my personality was a little bit no, I'm kidding. Um <laughs> I uh <laughs> um her uh the well, first off, that you know, uh, Brahe, Tycho Brahe, and, and his model, uh, you know, with the sun going around the earth. I am in Camp Copernicus, not Camp Brahe, so I, I'm skeptical, I'm skeptical of that. But also, she talked about one percent of the Danish budget, isn't that called the continental breakfast? <laughs> oh, geez, oh, you get that? No, <laughs> I laughed like I got it, but I didn't. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you that right Danish. Now. Instead of, it's a oh, Danish, oh it's cute. I get it. That's yeah. great. Black hole sun, Danish. This is a good show. <laughs> is, that, is that the bar? That's the bar. <laughs> Tonight it is for me. So. Beautiful. <laughs> but I'm only drinking water. I'm not at the bar. But very go. true. Oh, it should be. You must have thoughts by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, if there's one thing I've learned the hard way is you cannot bring a pet moose into the house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the hard way. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> that right there, I mean, that took this story from like a nice, okay, I mean, you know, a science story, you know, talking about the stars and Galileo mm-hmm. and all this, and and then now suddenly went to danishes and and moose falling down the stairs. So. Sure. <laughs> Solstice is wild. I love this that. It's like if, if, super if, true story or super. I mean, it's like I, I don't know. It's like too it's like if a moose is in your house, is it a moose lodge? It is now. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, okay. I, I will say moose tracks is a phenomenal flavor of ice cream. Just saying. Yes, it is. It yeah, is. y'all can laugh at my jokes the way I laugh at yours, please. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, <laughs> That'd be so nice. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> even uh, if Melissa, they suck, come on. <laughs> Melissa, don't I even spell Tycho Brahe right? I don't. Know. Uh, there's an H, so there's a T Y C H O. Right, oh. but the the other parts, right? Yeah, she didn't hesitate. Me. I just want to alert right. the studio audience that she didn't hesitate about that H, and that could have been a bluff, but it was very smooth if it was. Tell so there we go. All okay, right, so then back that, to you, Gina. Oh, thank you so much. Um, I'm, I feel like we ought to hear from somebody else in this round. So we just had, uh, let's see, Melissa went. Um, I would love to hear Drew. Drew, I'd love to hear your uh, uh, story. Look, look I up, mean, I'm Gina. So sorry, Melissa. I'm my bad. I got it mixed up in my head. Uh, no. Melissa, please go, Drew. We just heard your story. Look, no, look, look, look up, Gina. Look up. Round two's full. That's why. Oh my gosh. For those of you at home, the round tracker is full and I'm an idiot. Okay. So um, let's go on. Adam, please. You should have just stopped me before. No way. I had to make you realize that it's time for round three. Welcome to round three as the round tracker shows, which was, by the way, invented for Gina. Hey, you know what? I'm going to kick you out of this group for personality reasons. Oh, no. (laughs) Okay. All right. So we are in round number three, and I'm not sure if I'm going to be going in the right order. So y'all help me keep on track. Most tracks, if you will. Um, But I would like to start this round, I believe, with Drew. Drew, did you ever go around first in any of these rounds yet? I did, but I'll go again. I don't care. Okay. Well, let's do it that way. Why not? I just said it, let's and I'd go. like to not look, keep looking stupid. So okay. let's do it. All right. Let's do Drew. it. All right, Drew. Floor is yours. Forty-five so, seconds. Tlingit means people of the tides. They prided themselves on being expert fishermen and hunters. For them, the winter solstice marked the true beginning of the long winter ahead, and the weeks leading up to it, they spent gathering all their supplies and, and food to make it through the long winter. Um, they pretty much went into hibernation until the spring. Spiritually, it also meant a time of internal cleansing where one would, could wash away all of their sins and be reborn in the spring. So Black Hole Sun's a tribute to his grandmother, the chorus of the song, Black Hole Sun, won't you come and wash away the rain? Black Hole Sun, won't you come, won't you come? And now you know the meaning behind uh, Soundgarden's signature song, Black Hole Sun. Really beautiful because usually it just like the words that I know are black hole sun. <laughs> so like that's really pretty. I need to go look up the lyrics for that after Nelly. Um, so um, Chris, what do you think about that uh, part uh, of the story? The last part. Do you think he's bluffing? Questions? Whatever you'd like. I think I'm going to wash away the R E I G N reign of Drew as the champion of this show this week because. Um, <laughs> He's he's talked about uh, he first of all he made a pronunciation of something and then it was completely different 
meaning from what I thought it meant. So therefore, I'm skeptical immediately. <laughs> 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 I didn't know that. I thought it was something else. It, I right. like that. Uh, yes, that's how I operate. Strategy. Um, and, uh, and, then, and then he kept talking about the Tides. And I'm thinking, all right, well, clearly this weekend he watched Auburn, Alabama, the Iron Bowl, and Crimson Tide. The Alabama team won that game. So it's on his mind. He's trying to throw them in there. Mm. Oh, I see. I see. Also, I'm just going to reiterate that I'm going to be pissed if yours is not true, Drew. Yeah, I'm also wondering if the tides have changed for this one, um, especially oh. kind oh, of oh. Uh, the end here. It's like all this like spirituality and cleansing. It feels like you're trying to get something off your chest a little bit here. <laughs> no. And is something happening in Cancun that you need to talk about? <laughs> Audrey, are you crying, man? <laughs> oh, jeez. Touching, touching. Um, wash but that, away the rain. That, yeah, wash away the rain. Um, so, hey, uh, that means that we have to like um, now go to the next person. Yeah, we have two more people to go. Good. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> um, so, Melissa... <laughs> I would like to hear your second or your third uh, part of your story at the boom. Here we go. Okay, one of the most wild things, though, is how Tycho Brahe's life ended. So he his life ended in 1601. He died. And according to Kepler, who was his assistant at the time, at a dinner party, um, Brahe started to feel ill, but he was worried about leaving the dinner party and looking rude. So um, he just, like, stayed there and, like, didn't go to the bathroom or anything. And then he went home, and he got worse, and 11 days later, he died. At the time, they said it was kidney stones in this period of time. However, uh, years and years later, there were all these theories that Kepler could have, you know, poisoned him, um, especially because he wanted his data on planetary like tilts and things like that. But you don't know for sure. Oh, my gosh. So this man, this man figured out tilts, but didn't understand the sun thing. But then Kepler was pissing <laughs> him and may have. But if he had kidney stones, that could be why he didn't go to the bath. I mean, this is very tricky. I mean, okay, mm -hmm. Drew, what are your thoughts, please? I think I saw this on season one of Forensic Files. Now that I'm <laughs> um, the last forty-eight or the first forty-eight or whatever. Yeah, no. As soon as she mentioned Kepler and like that, he was uh, uh, Brahe's assistant. I was like, yeah, oh, he did. This guy's guilty. Like, so I knew like there there was something fishy with this guy. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, she tied up the story with a nice, nice little bow. I mean, everything kind of, I mean, from start to finish, it, it had some high points and low points. So uh, I don't know. It's, it's. I could flip a coin right now, but I, I feel yeah. like it's true. But I don't know. I go back to the moose falling down the stairs. I can't get over that. <laughs> I know that seems like it would really cause some damage and be very difficult to clean up. I'm just saying. I don't know. This is tricky because I liked her story, but I did feel a little cheated when it was like I don't know at the end. But it was a good story still. So, Chris, your thoughts? My thought is that uh, when he died and they came up to Kepler and there, you know, and because Kepler was there at the party uh, and their suspicion of. Uh, poisoning, perhaps, and they're, they're like, Kepler, what happened? He's like, no, dude, no, no, what? Brah, he died. Brah, <laughs> yeah. he died. Oh, oh. oh. oh my gosh, Black Hole Sun. These are great. I'm really loving this. How long did it take you to work? That was yeah. a long How long did that was a long? You took us on a journey, Chris. For this. You're welcome. 
<laughs> Thank you. Well, no, take us on the good. rest of your journey now because I want to hear your last round and see what kind of bombshells you throw in for us. All right, here we go. All right, let's get Chris up to the spot and the floor is yours. So in 1889, 17 years after the Jules Verne classic hit bookshelves, Nellie Bly sailed from America to London to break the fictional travel record in real life. So overcoming seasickness, she was really sick uh, while traveling. She arrived in London in seven days. She moved on to Paris by train, where she took time out to meet Jules Verne himself in person in the French city Amiens. And from there, she went across the rest of Europe to Egypt, through the Suez Canal, which remember had just opened recently, uh, into Asia and on to Japan. The final stretch had her sail again on a boat, again got really sick from the Pacific, across the Pacific to San Francisco, where she was greeted by an applauding crowd and then back to the starting point. Her journey was complete in 72 days. She set the new world record. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So so um Nellie was the furb to that guy's Phineas. How cool is that? That's awesome. Drew, what do you think? Well, 70, 72 days um, is impressive, but also impressive the the uh, my, the air mileage that she collected, the points. So yeah, I, I mean, this I don't know. I, it seems like this could be very very true. Hmm. I'm going to come for a final vote, Drew. So if you would like to hold on to that, but if you have any other more. comments on his story, man. Okay. Okay, so I'm gonna go with all right, Melissa. Thoughts? I see you thinking. I see. That um, face. Yeah, I know. I I want this to be true so bad. So <laughs> I just I really like this story. Uh, she has a cool name, Nellie Blythe. I really like it. But one thing, I just just to be nitpicky, just to be nitpicky. You said seven days by train, like between. Why didn't you just say a week? Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a weakness. If you didn't, oh. <laughs> he took us on a journey, Melissa. That's what he does. <laughs> so, um, if if um, the rapper and Mary J had a baby, it'd be Nellie Bly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. no. Oh, did you? Hey, were you listening to rap music before you started this show to make up your story? It's true. And cartoons. All right. Well, I will. I think that is everybody. Adam, can I see the round? Yes. Okay. The round tracker does say we're full. Um, that is for. Is now the uh, time for the audience to throw in any last um, thoughts or comments or questions or votes because it is time to vote for who you thought the bluff was for tonight. Um, so I want to hear from Melissa um, your thoughts on like you have to make one final decision. I know that all of the stories feel plausible but who do you vote as the bluff tonight you know there are holes in both but i think that the bluff tonight is true uh most because it feels like such a neat story and i saw the music video the music video was not nice and neat for black i don't watch music videos for that reason i like to interpret um so uh, drew your thoughts please you've got one accusation against you do you want to get her back or do you want to go with your gut i really have to i i mean oh. uh, chris is you know while it's, i can never trust chris um <laughs> i get that uh, a lot fair tonight i just have to go back I mean, there was a lot of like very bit parts of Melissa's story that were 
very feasible, but but more so points that just was too far fetched for me. I think Melissa is the bluff. Yeah, Melissa, I think if you didn't even talk about the moose part, I think Drew would have been on your side. But no, I don't know. Um, Chris, I need your vote as well. So right now we have a tie uh, with, between Drew and Melissa and no votes for you. My hunch is you're not going to vote for yourself. So who would you <laughs> vote for? <laughs> well, I, um, I'm very, very skeptical of the whole brass nose thing. But I just absolutely adore the name Tycho Brahe. And I, by the way, I reserve the right to use that in a scene in improv later on. Yeah, uh, exactly. And uh, so uh, I, I think I'm going to side with Melissa here because I I, wow. I don't know. Uh, it's so plausible. Drew's story is so plausible that that is the actual interpretation of the song by Soundgarden that I'm going to say he's bluffing because it's wow. really, really a neat story. Huh. It is a really, I, I mean, I want that story to be the truth so much. So right now we have two votes for Drew. We have one vote for Melissa and Chris has no votes. So I would just like to say to our That's studio Irvin. audience <laughs> that Irvin has voted for Chris. However, <laughs> if Chris fools everybody on the panel, that means Chris is the whole winner for the whole show. If he doesn't, that means he loses. So no, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> no, if he doesn't, it early. Yeah, then we get to see who who actually was the bluff. But I don't even know that. So I'm going to pull myself out of the stream. And then, Adam, I'm going to turn the show over to you. Are you ready for that? It's I am time, prepared. I this okay. is the time. Okay, this is time. I'm out. Okay. Let's do Can't it. Wait. All right. For those of you listening without the visuals, I have lined up our perpetrators in order of appearance. We're going to find out now. Was your bluff for this episode, was it Melissa? Was your bluff Drew? Or could your bluff have been Chris? The reveal shall happen now. Your bluff this whole time. It was Drew. Oh my god. No. 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 In my eyes, indisposed, to disguises, no one knows. Hide the face, lies the snake, et cetera, et cetera. That's rude, Drew. Very, very rude. Well done, Drew. <laughs> oh that was well done oh my gosh i we all walked right into that i wanted that to be true so badly and i hate you now <laughs> <laughs> so D drew what was your inspiration for the uh what was your inspiration for your bluff um i oh which way am i going here hey go. um i just well i thought of sun and i you know made me think of that song and uh, the darkness, you know, the, the longest night of the year, maybe think of black. So mm -hmm. just maybe think of that. And I was like, oh, let me find, look up how he came up with that song. And the the true story that I found was like, oh, he just misheard something on the news while he was dropping. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted you to say something like heroin or something like, you know, the true story was. It's so simple and like so not deep. <laughs> and so, oh, that breaks my soul. Um, asylum. Okay. Guys. Good job. Yeah, good no, job. that was a really good job. Everybody's story to me sounded very, very plausible. So it was hard for me to even even think. Um, and I hope that it was just as hard for you at home, uh, audience. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, you yeah. can find us on any place where you get your podcast. Um, and I would just like to say thank you to Adam, our tech. Adam, why don't you um come up on the screen and give us a thumbs up? Oh, you should. I, sure, I can do that. <laughs> By all means, I'll give you a big thumbs up. Where is it? No, wait. There it is. <laughs> and that takes us right out of the show, everybody. For those of you at home, fireworks just happened right behind Adam's head. Thank you very That's much for coming out to History Buffs. <laughs>
All right. And like Gina said, you can hear us where you get your podcasts. And we are here every week streaming live at 730 Eastern Time. Don't forget, join us again. We'll see you there. 